Hi, welcome to On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green. I'm Eric Dawson. Today I'm joined by Echoing Green fellow Tony Blackman, MC, spiritual warrior, goddess of love and words, and the founder of Freestyle Union, a freestyle rap circle that encourages people to be creative, confident, think on their feet, and think critically. Tony, I've known each other for a long time, and I'm excited that she's joining us for this episode of On Course. Welcome, Tony. Thank you for having me. Um, folks, of course, can't see Tony, uh, but but Tony radiates um, light and love and uh, fierce energy, and so it's always uh, a humbling experience to be around that. Mm. Um, you know, when I think of you, Tony. Um, I think of your voice, mm-hmm. and I mean that both in a in a physical sense, how mm-hmm. you speak, um, but also in a metaphysical sense, how you move space and time with language. Mm-hmm. And so, I'd love to hear your journey mm-hmm. uh, with words. I I fell in love with words as a, as a as a little girl. My aunt Jennifer was an English teacher, and she was also a poet. And um, there was a small publishing company in the Bay Area where I grew up in California that had published her book. I think my cousin, I was like six, my cousin a year younger than me, and we would go to book fairs with her and poetry readings. And this was the 70s in the Bay Area, and a lot of stuff that happened happened in Oakland and Berkeley, California. So if anyone knows the history of that area... um, Culturally, it was very rich, um, political consciousness very high, and there was a lot of art. And uh, so there there were words everywhere. And for me, the words began to become my friend because um, all of my cousins were superior athletes. I was not at the same level. So I had to find something that was mine. And the words belong to me. And, and when did you decide to use this gift for language beyond yourself? I think I started to use it beyond myself at the ripe old age of eight. Um, my auntie helped me publish my first book of poetry. And I wrote poems about social justice issues. I didn't know it at the time. But I wondered why the gar- what happened to the garbage men when they went on strike. Mm. Who was feeding their children? Um, who was paying their rent? Like, I thought about these things at eight years old. I thought about why is it that uh, police could kill black people and get away with it? And what that meant? And, you know, why did they destroy the Black Panthers? I had questions about this, and I wrote poetry about it. At eight. At eight. And um, it, it concerned some adults, I could tell, <laughs> um, that I had all these questions. But the poetry gave me an outlet because many adults didn't want to answer my questions. And my grandfather, who was, I guess, my best friend in terms of the adult world, he sat me down at nine. He said, everything you want to say, you say here. Okay? You can tell me anything, Okay. You say anything to me. And so I got in his head, we'd have these talks where he would just listen. But as I got older, I realized what he was trying to do is keep me safe. Mm. But he also closed up my voice. 
out of love. Because in his mind, this girl has got a mouth. This girl has strength. This girl has fire. This girl has opinions. And she makes people uncomfortable. So to keep her safe, I'm going to train her to vent at home. So he was your outlet, but also your limitation. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when we think about about voice, we think about volume, we think Mm -hmm. about taking up space. Mm -hmm. But some of the most powerful voices are about silence. Yeah. About quiet, about pauses, about the periods. Yes. Tell me about silence and quiet in your life. Well, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I come from a, my mom's only baby out of her womb. But I, my father had other children, one of whom I grew up very close to, my brother. Then I also had cousins, first cousins and second cousins. But as I grew up, I realized how much I liked my own company. How easy it was for me to put myself um, in places of aloneness and how often I needed it to balance but the silence is where some of the best ideas come when I have to write something creative and I have a creative writing deadline the most effective and efficient way for me to get it done is to have a day of silence and then a day of doing nothing Mm. and then the third day I'm on fire and I get more done than I would in five there's something really powerful in in this difference you're you're building between um, being alone and being lonely yeah. And, you know, as I think about your journey as, as this discovering this love of words, mm-hmm. then discovering your voice and then yeah. having that voice contained and then starting the project that you did Equine Green with this, yeah. this, the Freestyle Union, which is all about community. Yeah. Tell me about tell me about that part of your journey. The, the community. I, I, I don't know where it came from, but I've been communal since I was a kid. I don't see how people exist without community. I just don't get it. Um, The best artistic experiences that I've had have happened in collaboration. So community, it's healing. Um, Community increases our productivity. Um, Community uh, helps us to be safe. Um, Community helps us to see things about ourselves that we cannot see. Community reminds you of who the hell you are. And I think Freestyle Union was born in community because I was I wanted I was doing hip hop theater and poetry and and teaching. And, and ground us in where you are in your yeah. life. Is this from from college? Is college. This college. I was right out of college. I think I was in grad school still. So you're young. I'm young. I was really young. Yeah. And um, idealistic. Um, I thought uh, hip-hop could save the world and change the world. Um, I, I really believed in poetry um, as, as a weapon for change. And um, no one could tell me different. And and so in creating this community of Freestyle Union, I had a vision that we could impact the direction of, of rap music and that leaders could be created um, who were rappers, who were artists, and that this could be a space for um, 
people around the world to be inspired by what we're doing and do the same thing where they were. Talk to me about about the roots of Freestyle Union. And, and you built something really yeah. powerful. Um, how did it happen? What did it look like? Okay, so the, the Freestyle Union started in Washington, D.C. I ran a project called Hip Hop Arts Movement, which was a hip hop theater ensemble. I didn't have a mentor because at that time, hip hop had such a stigma, rap had such a stigma that my poetry mentor, my theater mentor, my dance mentor, um, all of them expressed disappointment and sometimes disgust um, because I was going to affiliate myself with the rap crap. Wow. So I I went from having all of these mentors and support to having me chasing a dream and trying to um, manifest a vision. And um, in the hip-hop theater ensemble, it kind of grew into the point where there were nine performer, actors, artists. And I was too young to manage these these personalities. And I did not have the, the, the social skills or the emotional maturity. And so I just quit. Um, and so I started Freestyle Union because Ethelbert Miller, he was one of my mentors, a, a poet and cultural archivist who ran um, the African-American Resource Center at Howard University for many, many years, decades. And he said, look, you, you've got to wash your bowl. And I was like, what? He's like, you're doing so much. You're doing theater. You're doing poetry. You have these activism stuff. You're uh, taking voice class. You're taking acting class. You're going to dance class. What you going to do? You got you to gotta choose a thing to master. And then he said this story. I tell this to my students all the time. Have you ever seen a kung fu flick? Yeah? Okay, right. So you know in the kung fu flick, you walk into the compound, and there are the guys over there with ladies. And they're laid up with women. You walk to the left and there are the men who are gambling. You turn around the corner again and then you see the men who are drunk or on drugs. Right? And then you go into the kitchen. You walk through and you see a group of lazy men over to the left. And then there's this one or two people who are washing the dishes and doing all the work to clean up. And that guy, that one guy at the sink, he's in the horse stance and he's washing the bowls and he's been in the horse stance so long he broke out into a sweat. But he's practicing his form. So his hand motions are, uh, are basically imitating what he would do in combat. And so when the compound next day gets attacked and the drunk men are too drunk, the lazy men are not paying attention, the gamblers are distracted. That one guy kicks everybody's ass. Be that guy. Wash your bowl. <laughs> so how, how did you wash your bowl? I decided to work on performing. Okay. I took every single performance that came my way to reach a certain level of mastery. And during this time, I started Freestyle Union because I wanted to become a better rapper. That's Tony Blackman, an MC and founder of Freestyle Union, a freestyle rap circle that encourages people to be creative, confident, and think critically. I'm Eric Dawson, the host of On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green, and we'll be back after a short break. On Course is produced by Echoing Green. For more than 30 years, Echoing Green has been on the front lines of solving the world's biggest problems. 
we find emerging leaders with the best ideas for social innovation as early as possible and set them on a path to lifelong impact. Our community of almost 1,000 social innovators includes past fellows like First Lady Michelle Obama, major public figures like Van Jones, and the founders of organizations like Teach for America and One Acre Fund. Built and refined over 30 years, our process discovers tomorrow's leaders today. Join us as we support a new generation of social impact leaders. Learn more at echoinggreen.org. Welcome back. I'm Eric Dawson, and you're listening to On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green. I'm speaking to Tony Blackman, the founder of Freestyle Union. So tell me about what the Freestyle Union is, was, what it does, what, what it well, is. It, well, it's, it started out, I just wanted to be a better, it was a jam session. I wanted to be a better rapper. And the idea was that I wanted different crews to come together, different um, neighborhoods, uh, different age groups. So to bring everybody together to unite for the cause of just building your skills. Um, it started out, there were five to seven people, a boombox instrumental. We freestyled for like two, three hours straight. The, we did it a few times and then teenagers started coming. And I realized with them there, we needed them focus because they couldn't focus without the topic. So I tapped into my background from the forensics speech and drama team. So I took those topics and I put them in the cipher. Mm. So I was like, okay, this is what we're going to freestyle about. And explain what a cipher is. Uh, the cipher is a circle. It represents 360 degrees. It's about completion of thought, giving and exchanging energy, information, and ideas. It is zero and the sum of things at all of all time. We've been having ciphers for centuries. Mm-hmm. Okay? You you ever pray in a circle, Eric? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You drum in circles, right? Dance in a circle. Dance in a circle, right. So we eat in circles. Um, so it's basically a, an expression of humanity for people to gather in a circle. And the cipher is a circle. So you, so you built this holy space. Yes, yes. And invited people in. Yes. <laughs> were they just young people, old um, people? Well, you know, I think we were in our 20s, early to mid-20s. And... Um, and then the youngins came, as young as 13, um, they came. There was an older poet who came by, M. Williams Ascari, and he said, Tony, um, there are a lot of teenage girls here that drop by, and they're watching you. And I was like, yeah, cool. He was like, but these guys are using the B word, and they're doing this, and they're watching you. And I was like, yeah. He said, they're watching you accept it. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, wow, why we got to deal with all of this? It's hip-hop, whatever, whatever. He was like, yeah, it's hip-hop, and it's you. It's your event. You need to tell them that this is not going to happen. So I was all nervous for a week. And then the next week, I stood up in front of everybody who was there, and I was like, the, the B thing is not a discussion. We don't debate whether or not it's valid to call women bees and hoes. If that's what you're into... This is not the place for you. You can do it wherever you like, but you can't do it here. And nobody argued, and they stopped doing it. Did it change the space in any way? Um, it changed the space in that the artists started to become accountable for their, their languaging and um, become more lyrically responsible. And the, the guys started to police themselves. I never had to enforce it. Like, they kind of look if someone slipped, like, 
And then I was like, yo, if that worked, I'm going to do another rule. Because I hated the, the impact that battling had on the energy and the vibration in the circle. Because it made it competitive. Made it competitive. And it also took the focus off of self-development. Remember, I'm still working off a of wash your bowl. So I'm encouraging everybody to wash their own bowl. And if you're focusing on somebody else, you're not washing your bowl. And so the next week I said, there will be no battling in the cipher. The writer, Tanahasi Coates, used to come to the cipher all the time. And he was one of the cats that always, they weren't so fond of the no battling rule. And then years later, he came to me and he acknowledged that you were right. And, and what happens next in this journey? You, you've, you've, you've built this model of a cipher. You've, you've tried things out. You, you've brought in wisdom and built community. Mm-hmm. Where does this go next? <laughs> well, you know, um, I started doing a Rhyme Like a Girl, which was devoted to just women. Um, men and boys could watch, but they could not participate. And um, Rhyme Like a Girl has actually picked up a lot more steam. So each time I try to like quit that, it comes back at me again. But I noticed that women needed a safe space to build their skills. And um, also women have unique stories to tell and they need to develop the confidence to be able to do that. For many artists, um, creating is like breathing. Yeah. It is both sustaining and you can't stop. Yeah. How would how would you define your art in, in that way? If I go too long without freestyling, I feel out of sorts. I feel um, energetically constipated. And it has become a release, and I've learned to honor it. And the best exercise is in community. So being with other artists, and I don't know, I don't know the science of what's happening. But you know the spirit of it. I know the spirit of it. So, so take us into that circle when, when you're in that space and, yeah. and, and, and you're freestyling. Like, what does it feel like? What's going on inside your, in your mind, your soul? Well, you know, it's funny because in D.C., the, the crew we had at Freestyle Union, because we were um, rhyming together every Monday night for two years and then every other week for another two years, it created a certain safety in terms of understanding and being able to bear your soul and to be transparent and to be completely vulnerable. And so the cipher has come to mean many things now, and that, that was the 90s. Nowadays, it means other things to other folks. Sometimes these ciphers are just open mics where people are taking turns and not necessarily listening to each other. Sometimes the ciphers are in a cluster, not in a circle. And when there's a cluster, that means that certain people fade into the background and it becomes a showcase for the people who have the audacity to force themselves to be seen. I don't view those things as pure cipher experiences. A pure cipher is when we see each other's faces. We bear witness to each other's energy, where we listen and honor each person's voice who wants to speak. And even if the person does not spit, another word for rap, that their presence is acknowledged. That is the cipher. And so when I talk about what I experience in the cipher, I'm speaking from that perspective and not from just random cipher you see on the street. And so from that perspective, um, the experience is 
about connecting with the music, um, the beat, the rhythm and or the melody um, can alter your state. Um, regardless of genre, um, all music has some sort of meditative quality to it. Because if it speaks to you, it can put you in a zone. And so the beats, the music, we, we use the term beats to describe the music um, in hip hop. And so the first thing you do is you respond to the beats. Now, this is not necessarily verbally, um, but you feel it. And then as you begin to feel it, if you've been rhyming, rapping for a while or singing for a while, things start to come to you. Some people can say that words come to them or some people can just say that something flows through them and then they know what's coming when they open their mouth. So it depends on your creative process and how it is that you share. There can be one song that plays for 30 minutes and no one notices that it's been a 30-minute track because everyone is, is so on. It could be in our last cipher where the, I can't remember what the subject was, but it was a storytelling and where the story got so good that there was full out dialogue, improvised dialogue in rap form, all rhymed, happening with with humor um, and emotion and um, people sharing personal, very personal things um, and, and, and so where it moved the entire energy in the room. That's Tony Blackman, an MC and founder of Freestyle Union. I'm Eric Dawson, the host of On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green. And we'll be back with more after a break. On Course is presented as part of the Inclusive Leadership Initiative. With support from the City Foundation, Echoing Green launched the Inclusive Leadership Initiative to expand its support of leaders that represent and work with communities of color. Together, Echoing Green and the City Foundation are supporting the next generation of leaders who are helping create economic and social opportunities for young women and men of color across the United States. Welcome back. I'm Eric Dawson, and this is On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green. I'm speaking to Tony Blackman, the founder of Freestyle Union. We, we live, you and I, in, in, a, in a network of social entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, and there's a story that's told about social entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Tony Blackman, visionary, mm-hmm. creative force, single-handedly building and creating this amazing organization, yeah. impact, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it's a powerful story. Yeah. Um, and you and I both know it's not true. Right. <laughs> or it's not the only story that's yes, true. Yes, yes, yes. And so what happens is there's a lot of secret keeping. Mm-hmm. That the other stories that exist, the, the doubts, the failures, the, the hurt, the, mm-hmm. the physical toll mm-hmm. of what it means to be a leader in the way that you've needed to be a leader, mm-hmm. um, those stories don't get told. Right. And I want to invite you to tell that part of your story because I think that's an important part of not just your journey, but the journey of so many leaders. Yeah. So, so tell me about that, about that moment. Well, I, I, I've been an overachiever I, my whole life. I think part of it was rooted in not feeling like I was enough. And as I um, moved through life, I got in the habit. I, I became a workaholic in high school. 
And that I, start, I started to realize that that made me feel better. Mm. And so I carried that through to college. And then in um, through my 20s, I'd be the overachieving paid off. I got a reward for it. I got awards. I got acknowledgments. I got prestigious fellowships. I got respect. I got invitations to events. I got this position to be the U.S. Hip Hop Ambassador. Like It came with reward. And so although I knew I needed to stop, I tried to balance it out. So I would take breaks. Um, I did find um, spiritual practices to help me maintain. And so I had, a, I, I knew the tools, but what I would do is I would get well and then go get burned out again. You're patching up the tire. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Patching up the tire. That's so perfect. <laughs> and so I would patch up the tire and then I had a burnout in oh, 708. And I met this woman, an energy, energy healer. I only went to her about fibroids. And then we started to talk about other things. And then she helped me see that the kind of work that I had begun to do with hip hop was actually healing work. But because I didn't have the foundation being trained as a healer or understanding what that meant, I was going about it unconsciously and in a self-destructive manner. That led to a depression because I had to stop teaching. And mind you, I had been depressed my junior year of college. Um... So I, I should have known the symptoms, but it just didn't occur to me that I was depressed. I just kept pushing on. And somehow I, I, I started to spend a lot of time in Africa. I started doing Africa exchange work. And there was something about the sun, the environment, the culture, the pace of life that would bring me balance. So I would be in Africa doing this work, much of it for very low pay, but happy as a bird. So happy. And I, But then I would come back here and... Patch the tire. <laughs> and then in, in uh, 2016, it knocked me out. And then I was teaching th- with the program, Carnegie Hall. Teaching artists get, get a bad deal, no matter what level they teach at. And there's a certain lack of um, emotional well-being support that artists do not get. That really disturbs me. I'm so many teaching artists of all backgrounds, all races. When I started to share my story with them, shared their stories. And, and, and so you, you hit this wall in 2016. Yeah. And you still need to keep going. I still I had programs even when I hit the wall. You know, my boss at the time, who, my supervisor, we talked. But I didn't know how to articulate what I was going through other than I feel like crap and I'm exhausted. And then she's like, well, can you come back early because we're recording with students on Tuesday? And then my heart just felt betrayed because I was so dedicated to doing a great job. And I can't even have the space to heal. So, so clearly your, your body's manifesting something. Yeah. And, and what do you think that is or was? It was the demand that I, it was demanding me to stop and to do something differently. So I could, I was supposed to go to Senegal and I knew I would not be able to do the work. But since um, I had, I went ahead and paid for my own Airbnb and it was a, a loft apartment on the 10th floor, viewing the seaport with um, uh, windows, floor to ceiling windows from the whole, on one whole side. 
and it had a huge patio, sun deck, and I swear I was there for two weeks by myself. So where are you now? Well, I, well, I took a sabbatical after that trip. Um, I came back and I realized I needed to be out. And I took a sabbatical. And then life kept forcing me to come back to being a social entrepreneur. Life kept forcing me to come back to Freestyle Union, back to Rhyme Like a Girl, back to being an artist. I mean, I tried to get out of this, man. I was really trying to be like, that's my old life, but it would not set me free. Then I finally surrendered to it. And um, I, I discovered in April, last April, I had anxiety. Um, mm. I had so many opportunities and options from making my commitment and I didn't know what to do with myself, but it came back to me not asking for help. And then last summer, my brother suffered from suicide and I found myself on um, on the Nile River, at the source of the Nile River in Uganda. And it was sunset. And I don't know, something about being there at sunset with Rhyme Like a Girl artist who I mentored, it shook my core and I, I got I got clarity, but I was afraid to make the leap. In December, I surrendered. Uh, I let go, and I started to dance again, taking dance classes a few times a week, and um, that brought me back back to the beginning when I was studying voice, studying dance. I was doing hip hop theater. I was doing music, and a friend pointed out to me I, I had started to age myself out. Mm of the work and um, the universe wouldn't allow me to do it. And I think, you know, uh, Cheryl, um, the CEO of Equine Green, (laughs) Um, I remember Cheryl doing, I was in a thought leadership cohort for alum and there was one session, there were like 10 of us, I think, of, of, of Equine Green fellow alums and Cheryl talked about making a choice about who you want to be and where you want to be. And she said there was a point where she was doing talk show circuit and the book promo and all these interviews. And she woke up one day and said, this is not me. This is not what I want to do. And so I've always been hesitant to choose. Like, I'm like, oh, the universe is going to decide to reveal to me. And she told us, she's like, no, you have to choose consciously and with deliberate intention and it was that day I chose and I said no I'm an artist and a performer I want to be on stage I want to be able to take breaks whenever I want and need to and be able to afford to do so but that is my purpose to speak up and speak out and to spread the good word what I find so interesting Tony is 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 the the way the strength of your voice yeah sits up against the fear of using it. Yes, yes. And 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 and, it, and and one of the things that has been most empowering for me is admitting that and to speaking about that publicly. But, you know, as human beings, we are complex creatures. That's right. And too often um, we think we, we, we're supposed to be in this one box. But we're, we're many layers. We're, there are many levels to us. June Jordan has this poem, Who Look at Me? And I've always taken the, the beginning of her poem, who look at me, who tell me what I see, and freestyled the rest to fit my my life as a sort of self-love affirmation. Who look at me, who tell me what I see? I be who I be. I be woman and I be free. 
with many complexities and many layers. I'm sorry, I'm freestyling. But um <laughs> No apologize. But yeah, there's there's that space. If we could just embrace like the many layers of who we are. One of the, the biggest challenges for me the last few years was really embracing that I am a multi-talented, high creative, visionary, social entrepreneur who teaches. And and you're a performer. Yeah, I'm a performer. And so the 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 real test is for me to take care of Tony, um, to stop trying to save rappers and to 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 take some time to take care of my artist within. I've taken care of so many artists, helped shape so many careers, helped get so many artists on the track. Um, what would it look like for me to give just half of what I've poured into others? Mary Oliver said to save the only life you can. Yes. 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 So, Tony, to, to end, I want to go through a speed round of questions. What's one thing you never travel without? One thing I never travel without is my music. If your life was a, a compilation album, what would its title be? Uh, no Regret. What, what's a word you love? Uh, indefatigable. And why is that? Uh, it means tireless. And I love words that start with the letter I. And I love multi-syllabic or syllable, words with multiple syllables. Um, but I've always loved that word since since I was a teen. For those listening and inspired by your work, where can they go to learn more? Um, you can catch me on the gram, Instagram, at Tony Blackman. And I'm on, um, on the Facebook as my uh, elder in Botswana, the Facebook. I'm on the Facebook and uh, Twitter. And then I have a website, TonyBlackmanPresents.com. Tony, there's this image that's been in my mind as I've been listening to you, and um, yeah. that's of being a quilter. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think of your life as, as quilting, where, where mm-hmm. you take pieces that may not look like much. They may be parts of other things. Uh-huh. And 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 bringing them together into something that's a that's a whole. So I want to thank you for quilting, for yes. um, weaving together uh, justice and rhymes, um, yes. health and drive, yes. uh, voice and silence. Uh, yes. It is a gift. You are a gift. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Thank you. To find out more about Echoing Green, go to echoinggreen.org. Don't miss any of our episodes. Subscribe where you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating so other listeners can find us. I'm Eric Dawson. Stay on course. Stay on course.